I've been thinking about it, I should be the change. Ain't no doubt about it, you should be the change. Ain't no way around it if you're tired of the same. You wanna make a difference, you should be the change. Oh, oh, oh. Yeah, yeah, oh, oh. Yeah, yeah, oh, oh. Yeah, yeah, oh, oh. Little flick to Nadine by Sinclair, and Nadine hits it far post, but what a save by Smith. Smith received a bachelor's in physical culture and sports with a minor in communications from the University of Texas at Austin in the fall of 2015 and is currently playing for the Utah FC as a goalkeeper. During her time at UT, Abby received numerous accolades, including several Big 12 Defensive Player of the Week accolades, 2015 Senior Class Award, First Team All Big 12 Conference, First Team All Academic Big 12, ESPN W Player of the Week, and many, many more. Abby made program history by becoming the first Longhorn player to be drafted into the National Women's Soccer League, the NWSL, after being selected to the Boston Breakers at number 27 overall via the seventh selection of third round. Everybody, I'm Fran Harris. I'm an alum. I'm a black alum at the University of Texas, played basketball at the University of Texas, but let's give it up for Abby Smith. I mean, how excited are you? That, that introduction was kind of dope, though, Abby. Thank you. Yeah, I'm... It was a mouthful. <laughs> I feel like I've only heard of some of them. And then I was like, oh, gosh, OK. <laughs> <laughs> That's me. So welcome, everybody. Fran Harris got excited uh, for a second there introducing Abby. Uh, so many great athletes have come out of the University of Texas. And we don't normally get to know them and talk to them in a private forum like we're doing tonight. It's just us girls right now talking about Abby's before life, Texas before Texas life, what she's doing now and what she's going to be doing in the future. So, Abby, let's start with the the whole decision to play soccer. I mean, literally, let's talk about the fact that there are many other sports you could have played and you chose soccer. How did soccer went out? Um, Funny story. So not actually funny, but like pretty. Pretty basic, like my parents just put me in it to get some energy out. Uh, yeah. They put me in gymnastics and soccer. And so soccer just stuck when I had to make the decision of committing to one or the other. I decided to commit to soccer and I'm glad I did because it turned into a career that I'm living out. Yeah. What what, what were some of the other sports that you considered playing? Usually we kind of jump around a little bit, even if it's just in our head of what we want to do. What did you decide you wanted to do? What were you doing before? Yeah. Uh, truthfully, it was just soccer and gymnastics. Those Ooh. were the two. Um, my dad ran track at Baylor. So like I was around the track and field world for a little bit. Um, but I wasn't blessed with those genes, <laughs> um, but yeah, so I loved watching volleyball, basketball, um, track and field was a huge part of our family and soccer and gymnastics. And so soccer just ended up coming out on top. Ended up being your jam. And then of course the, the, the next logical question is of all the places you could have gone to, to college why texas i wanted to be close to home um i grew up in dallas and crazy enough i visited two schools and it was a and m or ut ew yeah. <laughs> i i visited two schools and i made the best decision that i possibly could have made um i loved every bit of 
being in Austin and the culture mm-hmm. of being at UT, I felt like it was family as soon as I stepped on campus. And I just loved every bit of it. Um, I had a, a couple teammates from club soccer and that I had gone to high school with that mm-hmm. actually were committed to UT. And um, I just, I felt like it was the right fit for me. Good fit. I, you know, I felt the same way when, when I was coming out of high school, not nearly the the options that you guys had coming out because you could, you know, fly your five places and figure out. But when I got to, t- I committed to SMU because I'm from Dallas as well. So I committed to SMU and came to Texas for a visit and decommitted like the same thing. Like I was like, no, this is it. Yeah. This is it, you know, so that's exciting. All right. So let's, let's kind of shift, shift the conversation to your experiences when you were at Texas, you know, the, the climate is very different, even than it is right now. You got to Texas, you were excited about being there, but what was your experience? How would you typify and describe your, your experience? I truthfully, I loved every bit of being mm-hmm. on campus. Um, I graduated in three and a half years. And I think if I could have extended that, I would have. <laughs> so I I loved it. I I still have this urge that I want to go back. Um, yeah. And every time I step on campus, I just, I'm in awe. Um, it, I had a great academic counselor, Jason Bougereau. He was, he took care of me and made me feel like home. And um, I think he was a huge part of making me feel comfortable while I was on campus as well. Yeah. So you got there. Uh, candidly, we're talking about the black student athlete. And obviously there are the sports that people consider the brown and the black sports. And then there are the sports that are not we don't see that many minorities represented in those sports. And soccer has been one of those historically at Texas for a very, you know, for a very long time. What did you? have a different experience that you have anything that stood out that really made you, you feel like, Hmm, this is an interesting choice. Or you, your, your blackness became a thing at some point during your career. Yeah. Well, our assistant coach, actually Jamel Johnson was black. So that helped <laughs> a lot. Um, I think that created a little bit of a balance because um, pr- soccer is known as being a very privileged sport. Uh, sure. And so it's the same way. As soon as I got to UT, it was very similar, but at the same time, I still felt very comfortable, um, especially because I didn't know any different. Yeah. So growing up that way, I'm my, my mom's white, my dad's black. They've always taught me like you treat people with respect no matter what. And so I've grown up in an environment where I just, I'm used to soccer being that way. (laughs) And I think even from when I got there to now, it's vastly different. There's more girls, there's more black girls on the team than I've ever seen. Mm-hmm. And I think that's a huge credit to Ange and their recruiting and like expanding outside of the the typical demographic of soccer. So that's kind of my experience on campus. I it wasn't any different than I had already known. Right. Yeah. So when you start talking about comp- competing at a very high level, you almost made a mistake and went to Baylor. We won't, we won't hold that against you at all. You almost went to Baylor. You came to Texas. You wised up and came to Texas and you got there and you're having this experience because people don't, people don't realize they think, Oh man, it's Texas. They don't realize how Texas-y Texas is. 
You know what I mean? Like you really are in a special place and you don't really know it until you become a student athlete there. Can you share a little bit about what some of the experiences that maybe some of your contemporaries were having at their universities as opposed to what you were experiencing at Texas and what those differences might have been? Yeah, so um, what's pretty crazy is that a couple of my friends would say that they their academic sec, um, section, I guess, mm-hmm. wasn't uh, wasn't as tailored to them as you would think. Um, because as a student athlete, we commit to a university where they're for sport and education. Yeah, and at other at other universities, say like and. Mid, yeah, and Midwest area up north. Yeah, yeah. Um, I remember hearing that they were like some of my friends were very overwhelmed because they had to pick out their schedule and go back and forth between um, their their professors, their coaches, their academic advisors, and they're planning all of this. Meanwhile, they're supposed to be in season. Right. So that becomes very overwhelming. But then at UT. We're provi- we were provided with everything. Mm-hmm. And I mean, you go, you walk into <laughs> study hall and you have your academic advisor ready for you to come in. They're, they're already looking at the schedule to help tailor your classes to your practice schedule and your weight room session and just trying to make it as easy as possible. Right. And I think that was a huge plus for me. Um, because I love being in school. I'm getting my master's now, but like Mm -hmm. school is so important to me. And I felt like that was a huge part of whenever I was on campus that they really embraced that you are, you're a student first Mm -hmm. and you're an athlete. So we're going to find a balance and we're going to make this work. You know what I think should happen at orientation, Abby? And you can tell me how you feel about this. I think that when student athletes get to Texas and you can tell something crazy is about to come out of my mouth, that they should be shown a video of the way it was, right? So, yes. you know, what you just described, it was it was pretty much the beginning of that when I played at Texas many years ago. But the crazy things is the crazy thing is to watch you guys go play somewhere and then get on a charter and then be back the, the same night. Like literally, if we went to Texas Tech, we would leave the day before, be there all day, the day of the game, and then you couldn't leave until the next day. So that was literally three days of class that you probably missed. That's what we would do as well. Yeah, so it was crazy, right? And so you're just like, what in the world? How How is this happening? And think about it, if it was like that at Texas for you, what it was like for somebody who was like at Mary Harden, Baylor or whatever, other place, Stephen F. Austin or whatever. It's amazing how far we've come, you know, when it comes to amenities and the things that are student services and those kinds of things. So, I I mean, that's an absolute change from what it was like and what it's still like for some people at their universities. So as a person who, you know, is biracial, how do you handle what's happening in the world today with race relations, justice? How is, how's that been for you? Truthfully, it's, it's been exhausting. It's, I think more so of my heart is breaking Mm -hmm. because it's, it's a lot for everybody to like see with their own eyes. 
but now it's being brought to light. Mm -hmm. And so even more so of like, yes, it before it's very frustrating and you hear here and there, but the fact that like now it's on camera and you see from start to end and literally sometimes to the end. Yeah. Yeah. That's hard to see and hard to process. Yeah. And I think for me, it's what's hard for me to wrap my mind around is that people aren't being treated as human beings. Mm -hmm. And at the end of the day, I'm like, what makes one person greater than the other? Because it shouldn't be that way. Right. And it's sad that it's coming down to that. Um, and so now I'm kind of in a, in a spot to where playing professionally, I'm given a platform, but I'm trying to navigate how can I actually impact the people around me and also help the younger generation to the, where they don't have the same feelings as, as adults or as myself, or even just teenagers right now where they're confused and frustrated and trying to navigate this world. That's very confusing. Yeah. Very, very confusing. Especially when you see adults, air quotes, (laughs) adults behaving the way they they're behaving. Yeah. When you're a child, like I'm looking at these adults going, what are you doing? I can't even, I can't even imagine what a teenager, an adolescent, an early, you know, 17, 20 year old, it's like, mom, dad, like what, what, what's going on, you know, and having to reconcile, hey, I have friends who are multi-ethnic, I have black friends, white friends, brown, whatever, now my dad feels this way, my black dad, my white mom feels this way, I had no idea, so think about the, (laughs) think about that dynamic as well, you know, you brought up being a professional athlete, I was talking to, um, I mentor several NFL players and WNBA players. And, you know, one of them was telling me a couple of weeks ago that someone DM them. Right. And was just going in and they start going in on their thread about their, about their stance on social justice. And so how do you, how do you navigate the world of being now even more out there and game for people? You know, when you're in college, you're kind of protected to some degree because people still yeah. don't see you as a real adult yet. But then when you cross over, you're free game. It's free game oh. on you. And how are you navigating the exposure that you have out there now on social media? Yeah, um, I haven't really been posting that much on social media because I feel like for me, I want to do the groundwork to what? where I I want to go talk to kids. I yeah. want to drop in on classes. I want to try and have somebody or have a kid see me face to face and know that like, we we're trying, we're trying to make it better for you. Um, and so I think that's the tough part is because I, I struggle, I struggle with social media in general. Um, and even more so now because I'm trying to navigate how if I post something on social media, if someone's going to come at me, it's like, not only am I a human being, but you're hiding behind a screen. Right. And so I think it's quite interesting that people that feel as if they're in a situation where they can attack another human being for their, their own opinion. Mm Mm-hmm. Because everybody has different opinions right. and no one's perfect. Yep. But at the same time, 
why am I going to attack someone else as a human being when we just may think a little differently? Right. right. Yeah. And so when I see other people get attacked by that, I it really it makes me very angry. <laughs> but I'm also like not I'm not the type of person that's going to quickly get on Twitter or right. Instagram and comment back. Most of the time I'm just like delete yeah. that negativity in my aura, <laughs> this realm. Like I there's so much negativity in the world. I was like, how can we be positive? Yeah. And if that means that I have to completely ignore somebody that thinks that they can tell me how I'm supposed to think. Yeah. It, in my opinion, I'm like, you need to think again because that's <laughs> not how this, that's not how a dynamic like, works. Yeah. It's not going to work that way. It is really interesting. Someone, when the Democratic uh, candidates were announced, DM'd me on, on Facebook and called Kamala Harris a hoe. And I said, first of all, this is somebody I don't know. We are Facebook friends, right? right? And and literally in that moment, I muted him. But in that moment, I was like, I already know I'm going to have to not be on social because the the level of just vitriol and the, the, the level of just like stupidity that people think that I need to hear your opinion or that if we disagree, you need to tell me how you feel about my house, my page, my whatever. That's a thing that really is so dangerous for me about social media. These people would never say these things if we were sitting at a cafe together. They would never, ever come up to me and say these things or you or whatever. So the the, the confidence they have, as you mentioned, behind a, a laptop and a screen and their phone mm -hmm. is very dangerous. And it's interesting to be a professional athlete right now because now people are saying that you guys should just shut up and play. How do you respond to that? I think that's so ridiculous that people say that because I just I'm like at what point do I separate myself leave technically like leave my body and just be an athlete <laughs> like do I separate myself and just be right. a human being mm -hmm. that like, I'm sorry we are one whole person mm -hmm. because there's no separation because as soon as we start having feelings and we have to think about all the different dynamics that are going on outside of our sport that do play a role in the dynamic of our sport. We can't separate. And that's the thing. We, we step onto the field, the court, within those lines, and we're here to do our job. But yeah. then at the same time, I don't think people realize how much politics actually do play into our world right because well if you think about it ownership budgets mm -hmm. where the marketing goes like all of that plays a role and also everybody everybody as an individual thinks very differently and so politics do come into play yeah so that's what where i think it's interesting whether everyone or not everyone but a majority of people are saying just be quiet and play. Yeah. But I think it's interesting because everyone that says that I'm like, you're spending your money to <laughs> tell us to be quiet and play. I was like, yeah. That's, I was like, okay, keep, keep spending your money. I appreciate it. Thank you. Because it's helping our sport grow. Mm -hmm. But because you 
are putting your opinion out there, why can't we have an opinion? So what can Texas, if someone is watching now, student athlete, minority, non-minority, what can they do to make the most of their experience at the University of Texas as an athlete? I would say just embrace where you're at because even though it right now, the pandemic, the social climate, like there's a lot of things that are going on, but these four years are going to be the best time of your life while you were on campus and you are so close to friends and like your friends become your family. Yeah. And even though it's a very tough environment, you are going to grow and you are going to become a better person because of this. And you're going to learn more about yourself and more about the people you surround yourself with than probably any other place. And this is a time in your life where it's a huge time where people can grow and you have to learn to love yourself even through these hard times. And I think as a student athlete, they, they're walking on campus and as soon as you graduate, it's not the same. You are now, (laughs) you're somewhat standing from the outside looking in. And so while student athletes are there, just really embrace it because you are like, while you're in school and while you're playing, you have a huge impact and it's a bigger impact than they may think. That's great. What's next for, what's next for Abby Smith? Um, I'm still in Salt Lake. We (laughs) are getting ready for our fall series in the NWSL. Um, so we are playing four games and then after that I am coming back to Texas. I am going to go, we live in San Antonio. So once I get back, I think I'm going to get settled and see how I can really help, um, the San Antonio community. Um, I think for me after, seeing everything that's going on. I want to have more of a footprint in the area that I live in and then also um, in Salt Lake. So I'm trying to figure out how I can find a balance between helping the Salt Lake community and showing younger generations through the COVID protocols that you can be a successful minority and you can make change. And it's the same way in San Antonio. And that's kind of where my mindset's at. Like, how can I be a face for young young girls and boys um, so they feel comfortable in any sport that they're in? And whether they can afford it, whether they're struggling to afford it, whether it's just coming to a PE class and just saying hi. that's something I, I really enjoy. And I think going forward, I really want to help with the education side. Um, because I want, I want the younger generation to feel empowered through education because sports don't last forever. Yeah. So really stimulating their brain, I feel like is, it's the way to go. So if we're talking, 10 years from now, and we're looking back on this conversation, 
what are you doing in your life 10 years from now? Oh, that's a good one. <laughs> I'm not really sure. I haven't really thought about like mapped out what I have in my 10 year plan. Um, only 27, so or 26 <laughs> turning 27. So I want to, I want to try and play as long as I can, but then also I'm in the process of trying to figure out how I can mentor and how I can really grow that into um, taking that to Texas. So it's a big question mark, but I also feel like I think 10 years down the line, if I were to look back and be like, just make up your mind. (laughs) (laughs) I think that's what I would probably look at myself and say, like, just make up your mind, just pick something, go for it. If it doesn't work out, then. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. You don't have to know. And then if you do something, you don't have to keep doing it. Abby, absolutely great to talk to you. Great. Great to see you again and glad to know that you're having a successful professional career in Salt Lake City. And uh, as always, hook them. Yep, hook them. Thank you for having me on. You got it.